0: Live from the Channel Seed, Studios, Channel Seed Studios, this is Jared and j and Iowa, Iowa Everywhere. Everywhere. Jared, Jared Stansberry, Jared Stansberry. Jordan, Bohannon, Jordan Bohannon, together on Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast on Iowa Everywhere, the Channel Seed Studios. Man, we got a lot of basketball to talk about today. I have been... Uh, Jordan I've been fiending for some basketball these last two days I'm like a I feel like Dave Chappelle you got any more of that basketball <laughs> got,
1: any more? got any more
0: yeah you got any more of that basketball I uh I regret to inform you that I placed wagers last night on both NIT games ah uh, what are we I, doing I've already placed wagers on both NIT games tonight as well as the CBI title game
1: I have a I have a question for you do does the n i t and c like do they matter like who can, hell no hell um, no they don't matter can we can we just drop the any argument ever created about an importance for any of these games that are not the NCAA tournament
0: i heard uh the guys last night on the on the n i t game talking about wisconsin and oregon they're like oh Think of the momentum this will give this program going into the offseason. And you're like, these are two really proud programs that like that prefer to be in the NCAA tournament on a yearly basis, playing in an NIT semifinal game. I don't know that this is really going to give anybody any momentum heading into the offseason.
1: Two very historic programs that are known to make runs in the NCAA tournament are battling NIT. And we're going to make the argument that this is going to give them momentum going into the next year.
0: Hey, great momentum win last night for North Texas over Oklahoma State in the NIT semifinals. Uh, And then Wisconsin did get the big win over Oregon. That game went down to the wire. Dana Altman was hot after that one. We will uh, talk about that one a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Of course, we've got the entire first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament to talk about. Jordan is going to dance on Purdue's grave. Uh, He's been long, long predicting the fall of the the Boilermakers. And it it came in in glorious fashion in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Of course, Iowa and Iowa State both lost their games as well. Uh, Let's start there. You want to start with Iowa or you want to start with Iowa State? They're equally depressing.
1: Whatever you want to do, man.
0: Let's talk about Iowa State. Uh, One of the worst offensive performances in the history of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Basically never had a shot in the game because they couldn't put the ball in the basket. And it all started when Iowa State's, half of Iowa State's warmups were negated because of uh, issues with the basket.
1: How long was it, it was a 15 minute? It's five
0: minutes, the last five minutes of warmups. And you know, like they go into the locker room, you know, TJ just got done firing them up. You know, like this is the last fiery speech before it's time to go out there, and play first round of the NCAA tournament. And the guys come running out, and you've got Gabe Kalcher dribbling the basketball around, watching two people on a ladder with a level on top of the rim
1: while Pittsburgh shoots on the other end. Is the report true that they asked Iowa State want the- an extended warm-up and they said no?
0: From what I was told, that was not accurate. But I don't know for certain either way. I, I guess I don't know for certain either way. But we,
1: I feel like I'm getting the feeling they said no, but now they, they lost the game and now we're backtracking. And some the middle, well, I'm means, sure, I'm yeah. sure
0: that is. Yeah. I'm sure to an extent that is true. I do think that now, especially knowing we've talked about this before on this show, how the, the rims at that tournament suck ass, you know? So it's like, now that we know that this could be an issue, there should probably be some sort of protocol put in place where if they're fixing one basket, they keep both teams off the floor until they're fixed. You know, yeah. I think that that's just a fair way to approach that. But at the end of the day, it's not why Iowa State lost the game. And the rim was messed up because I think an Iowa State player dunked on it and had bent it, you know, and or it had got, which tells you right there how tight the damn things are when someone goes up and dunks the ball and it doesn't bounce back
1: yeah and i have a quote from one of the coaches that's in the tournament um i read this off twitter this is a direct quote it doesn't it's an anonymous coach so i'm I'm assuming he didn't want to be known for saying this but they said talking about the basketball in the the tournament it's not the ball it's how much damn air they put into them all of them are like bouncy balls you can tell no coach or real player aired them up only a dumbass administrator will fill the ball to capacity that sounds like a quote i would say that is a quote you would say. A dumbass administrator filled the ball, which makes sense. I mean, you look at the NCAA, a bunch of dumbasses in the office and the a higher bunch order. of administrators. Yeah, yeah a bunch of administrators. I mean,
0: I don't. I don't. We need we need the NCAA to prepare more athletes to go pro and working at the NCAA so that then they know how to air up the balls. Correct. Because they're preparing everybody to go pro and something else. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, when that's your motto, come on, guys.
0: We need someone to go pro and airing up the basketball and and fixing the rim. Uh, No, Iowa State did not lose the game because the rim was broken. Iowa State lost the game because Iowa State couldn't hit the broad side of a barn uh, trying to shoot the basketball, you know. I I don't think anybody was going to make the excuse they lost the game because of the rims. (laughs) I do think, though, like, in hindsight, you look at that, and it's like probably could have been handled better, you know. I think that's a fair conclusion to come to either way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the right off from the stats, Pitt, Pitt shoots 34% from the field. Iowa shot 23%. Iowa's two for 21 from three-pointers. Pittsburgh was 6-19. I mean, it's not that big of a difference Yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so There was a point where Iowa State had made more field goals than Pitt had and was down by 10 points. It's hard, too, to see because, I mean, they I saw shot, Iowa State had 19 more possessions than, than Pittsburgh, yeah. which yeah. I, I did not know it was that many. I knew there was more than Pittsburgh, but I just looked at that stats. 19 more possessions. Lots, very similar to um, when Iowa played in the Big Ten tournament as well. We were talking about going side by side in those stats as well. Having way more possessions. I feel like that was the case with a lot of games this year with Iowa State yeah that they lost they had a lot more possessions because their defense got after it and they just couldn't capitalize on offensive end this this entire year that the game the games they lost iowa
0: state needed to play like a b-minus game offensively and played an f game
1: i don't even think b-minus against pittsburgh all you needed was a c-minus dude pittsburgh yeah. pittsburgh is not that great of a basketball team for them to pull off an extraordinary game to win yeah
0: it just yeah it felt like if i was stayed played an average game they would have had a chance like i said they played a horrible game right that just is but that too is why after the game you know like obviously you're like i was disappointed that they had lost the game because i wanted to keep covering the tournament but at the same time you sit there and you're like well shit they just got beat i don't know you can't blame anybody but yourself for the fact you couldn't put the ball in the basket you know
1: what do you uh what do you think they need uh work on the most Ken in this offseason, would you say? I think putting put the ball easy. in the basket. <laughs> well, obviously, offensive end. Yeah. Is there something if you're looking at Iowa State's offense? I mean, I'm looking at for more of an offensive dominated player perspective here with playing with Coach McCaffrey for six years. They got to find a way to and it's not like they don't run terrible sets. I mean, when Caleb Grill was getting hot, they ran some great sets for him and getting him open. I think I think Lipsy needs to be more ball dominated than he already is. I think putting the ball in his hand twice as much as he had this year is only going to be more beneficial for the team moving forward because he's really smart with the ball. He knows where to get players the ball. He knows he has a very high IQ, and that's very rare in the game of basketball. And I think that's why he needs to have the he needs to be a very ball dominant. He needs to be like Hunter. When he was at Iowa State, he needs to have the ball constantly for them to be successful. I think the big thing for him now is he has to be able to to take a jump shot, because right right now that's
0: where you're seeing teams hurt him is that they're just sagging his defender into the middle of the paint, and then he can't do anything. You know, like he he just can't get any further than like the free throw line. But if you refuse to shoot a jump shot then that kind of negates basically everything you can do, you know? So like, that's the big thing for him. How in the off season do you get confidence enough in your jump shot that you can, you can shoot it at a, at, at some clip, like you don't need, they don't all of a sudden need him to be a 40% three point shooter. You just need him to be a threat, you know, cause right now he's not even a threat outside of 15 feet.
1: Yeah. And that's the issue when you have a, a guy like that, that's capable of being a really great player To break through that 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 threshold of being a scorer mentality is really hard to do because you can tell how unselfish he is as a player yeah
0: well i was just gonna say you can tell that when he catches the ball he never has that he doesn't have that instinct of like oh i have to be ready to catch the ball so that i can shoot it you know that's so he's never like he doesn't have his feet right. He doesn't not catching the ball with his hands right way or like whatever. And you can just tell that he's not in any sort of rhythm because he's just like, doesn't even have that mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to catch this ball and shoot a three pointer,
1: you know? And I I think if he realizes how much he can create more off being a scorer is when Iowa state's going to thrive. I mean, everything we're talking about being able to knock down open shot creates so much more openness in the offense and flow and there's, there's guys that aren't going to have to sag back if he's able to hit that open shot, if he's able to penetrate in the paint and shoot a floater. If he makes – here's the way I look at a point guard. If you make strides in one facet on offense, like if you become a really knockdown player in the paint, like you're hitting – you become a floater guy, right? And you you are, you are, work on that all summer I and mean, you get in the paint, you, you can make 65% of those shots – throughout the year that changes drastically how your offense is going to flow he doesn't have to be a great offensive player he just has to be a knockdown one one kind of move point guard and Mm -hmm. i think his game he becomes an all-conference player easily yeah
0: i'm right there with you he is well on his way to that and that it's like he needs like one thing you know what's your one thing that's going to kind of kind of set you apart in that sense uh, from there, I mean, they just need, again, they, I think they just need guys who are going to put the ball in the basket. Like, where are you, what are you going to look to in the transfer portal? Shooters, you know. But we all know the premium that is put on that, especially from a standpoint of NIL and things like that, you know, you're waiting in a deep pool of guys or of schools that are, everybody needs shooters, you know. So, it's like. To say that, like, you got to find the right guys that are going to come in and buy into what you're trying to do and, and what your system is. And that's just, you know, it's probably too early in the in the process right now to say that. But then I think, like, an offensive-minded big man for Iowa State would probably be good as well, someone who's more of a, you know, more of a scorer than just, like, a pure rim protector because it doesn't seem like they've really had that these last couple of years. And um, But then bringing in that recruiting class, they're bringing in, you got four guys that are all, you know, I think they all fit. Feel- Feel like and ready made to to make a contribution, so it'll be interesting. They're starting at a much higher talent baseline level than what they have these last two years, though. Like just automatically, you are you know these last two years they're starting almost at ground zero both times,
1: you know. And I feel like it still gets lost in the mix of the craziness of the last couple years with TJ and Iowa State. I mean, this is his third year coming up, right? Yeah. Like he's he's you're still you still technically should be in the rebuilding phase. And he brought that team to a sweet 16 and to another NCAA tournament back to back years. Like that is very impressive start to a high major level coaching job. And you're just trying to figure it out right now. Like that's, he's still, he's still in the figure out process. The team is still in a figure out process and with transfer portal and everything that's happened right now with that. I mean, I, I only see upsides for the Iowa state program because of, the body of work that's already occurred with that staff and with TJ, there is still so much new exploration avenues there to continue to go down. And yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic of where that, that staff can take that program.
0: And I think people forget how much damage was just done to Iowa State's reputation after the 0 and 20 0 and 18 thing, you know, that just put a lot of stink on the program that took time to air out. Again, you know, now you look at it, it's like, okay, this is a program that's gone to a sweet 16 back-to-back NCAA tournaments and finished 500 in the big 12, not the program that's coming off of being 0
1: and 18 anymore. You know? Yeah. I, and that, that alone says a lot about the direction of the, the Iowa state program It's just looking back at that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many programs are in the country that go winless in a conference and first off, they they have a winning season. The that the next year after that, just just that alone, that right. that rarely ever happens in college basketball. Let alone high major Big Twelve, that's rare.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible, especially you know with what the transfer portal can do for you now. It just is. It allows you to turn your team around so quickly, you know. And that's that's the thing. Like you think about Iowa State next year, they're going to bring a handful of guys back, and they'll have some faces that are familiar. Tame and Lipsy. You know, Trey King, Rob Jones, like guys that are going to be back that, you know, but at the same time, the like core of the team is going to be young guys and transfers again, you know, and it just is, uh, it's just crazy how that works out every year. It's just like you, you just have a new team every season. You know, I think that the longer I do this, the more, you know, you always hear coaches say that it's like every team is different the more that I do this and the longer I've been around different teams, you start to understand that more of like, yeah, how every team is just different and every, t- like you can't really hardly compare them sometimes.
1: That's what makes college basketball so great too. Is just the, the differences you're going to get a year in and year out. I mean, in general, I mean, the blue bloods are always going to be how they are. You know, you're always going to get the five-star recruits. It's always going to be kind of a similar feel, but man, the other high major schools, mid-major, low major, that's what makes college basketball so great and I think that's why the transfer portal is so great too. I mean, you see 16 seeds winning in the NCAA tournament now, Princeton's in the in sweet 16. The whole the whole illusion of the transfer portal is just going to continue getting the best guys to the best teams. I mean, that's been proven not I mean, it's not correct. Right. I mean, look at the teams that are that are making runs this year. Look at the teams that have lost already. I think you that's wanna- why- you want to talk
0: about a team that goes against the fucking mold man is uh is princeton man they don't have the transfer portal like you can't transfer to princeton you know they don't take grad students they don't do any of that kind of stuff they don't have guys that are on covid years that are playing their sixth year like you have to play at princeton and play at princeton for four years and those are your only choices unless you're going to transfer out you know so for them to have a team like this it's a perfect example of what college basketball really by and large is not anymore you know
1: and yeah, I, I I, continue to stand with the transfer portal. As much hate as it's get, it's gotten the past couple of years, and I'm assuming there's gonna be some sort of restrictions. NCM may have already came out with it in a memo, I don't remember, but um I just think it creates more uncertainty or uncertainty in the college basketball landscape. And that's that's what I feel like college basketball is, right? Is uncertainty. You don't know what you're gonna get a year by year basis. It creates parity.
0: You know, exactly. where like everybody is kind of on a level footing, even if you've got, even if you've got big money to send, to throw around an NIL, it doesn't mean you can't get knocked out. I mean, look at North Carolina, look at Duke, look at Kentucky, Kansas. I mean, all of the blue bloods are out, you know, UCLA is the only one left. And I don't think UCLA is a team that you sit there and you're like, Oh, they're built on NIL. Like it's the same team they've had for three years,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just excited to see the, first of all, the ending of this season and what's going to happen with the C-16, but also the future of in-state schools, especially. I think, I think there's so much, I know we're a little off topic from Iowa State and Iowa talk for in-state tournament, but I think I'm just really excited to see where the NIL and transfer all shifts, not only basketball, but football too. I mean, you see Kate McNamara going to Iowa for this upcoming football season. I think there's just so much opportunity and money to be made on both sides of 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 the of the court. I guess you could say of players and coaches and fans and everything involved with universities and all of it. There's just so much opportunity out there that it's only going to continue to grow. Like money's big right now for a lot of these players, but I mean, look at the TV rights that have grown exponentially. Like that alone is going to show like the trajectory of like NIL opportunities. Salaries, whenever that happens with college sports, college sports isn't going anywhere. No matter what players are making, I mean, this is the gr- everyone's watching the tournament still. Everyone said they weren't going to watch it with the transfer portal NIL. Look, it, I mean, it's probably the most popular um, year so far with 16C losing Princeton in the final in the Sweet 16. I just think I think it's great. I think it's great for the future.
0: Well, and I think too, there's going to be an e- just like a leveling out of where we have an understanding of this is what the value of certain things are you know we're probably like one more year away and then we'll have like a baseline of like okay this kind of player is worth this we're willing to spend this amount of money you know like spending eight hundred thousand dollars to get nigel pack there might be a bunch of people that sit there and they're like man i don't know if that was worth it for that guy but what if we can do a deal like this and it just like is a natural evening out of like understanding there was no market you know so we started at nothing and now we're getting baseline understandings of like what is the risk benefit of different deals that you can potentially do,
1: you know? Yeah, and it's just it, it ends with endless possibilities and opportunities. Like I said, the more the more we get that baseline of foundation is it's what's what's occurring right now these last couple of years is the baseline of the foundation that you're talking about, Jared, and the continued growth of players and I guess more we can eye out the bad people in the world right now mm-hmm. in I all these last couple of years and i mean there's going to be there's going to be a there's going to be a growth and lessons being learned along the way like it wasn't going to be perfect but
0: and at the end of the day i think we've learned even lessons this year about people who are going to make promises and then aren't going to follow through on them you right. know and those rumors are going to spread fast if you're a school that says you're going to pay such and such amount of money to from your collective or whatever, and you don't follow through on those things, you're going to stop getting players, you know? And like, that's, that's again, that equal, that leveling out and that understanding of who is for real and who is not, and who is actually going to do the right things and like actually follow through on what they say they're going to do, or who's going to make big promises in the recruiting process and then not follow through once you get to school and they realize they've already got you locked in.
1: And this is going to continue to weed out the coaches that refuse to adapt and change as well. And a lot of those coaches that are kind of not wanting to adapt and change. First of all, are the coaches that were the first ones to pay players and do it illegally. And now that it's legal, they're they're getting pissed off because it's the, the playing field is getting evened out now and they don't have that edge. They don't have that advantage and they have an opportunity for these other schools to close that gap. And I think Honestly, I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think we're seeing as big as a gap as people thought that was going to happen. I think it's only lessening the gap, and it's we're about come, yeah. we're about to find out. We're about to find out what can happen with Ricky P going to
0: uh, going to St. John's. Yep, man, you give that man the, some Power Five money behind uh, behind a legitimate operation.
1: That's bad news for everybody else. I can tell you that right now. What a grave spot for him too. I mean, he doesn't have to move right there in New York, like. He wants to be a guy that changed the program right away. He doesn't have many years. I mean, he said in his co- co- press conference, he doesn't have that much years left in coaching, and New York's not a, a patient city. They want things right away. And he's like, that's what I want to do. I want to do it right away. You can just tell in his voice, like, they got stuff playing there. They got to play in the garden, right? Like, every game, they got to play in the garden. Yeah, they got to. Or we'll have a couple games in the Palestra where um, – I always in, played a couple games there, too. That would be sick. In Philadelphia? Yeah. St. John's is in New York. It's close enough. Play in the Palestra. Get St. John's to the Palestra. That's where Villanova and all them need to play. Yeah. I, I, I think the more times you play in that arena, the, the better. That, that arena is fucking sick.
0: That's a, that's a bucket lister for any college basketball fan is to go to the Palestra, yeah. for
1: sure. To be honest with you, I didn't realize how far it was away from where St. John's was. I thought St. John's was a little closer. St. John's is like in Manhattan, isn't in Manhattan. it? I didn't, I didn't realize it was in Manhattan. Yeah. I was just looking at my uh I opened a tab and it said St. John's. You said the Palestra, and I was like,
0: uh, I don't know what that I don't think that I re- that's St. Like, Joe's. St. Joe's yeah. would go play at the Palestra. Yeah, I, know.
1: I I guess. Yeah. I got it. I got it mixed up, Jared. My bad. It's okay.
0: It's okay. I respect it. Uh of course all of our basketball conversation on the podcast brought to you by our friends at Sweet Caroline's on Main Street up in Ames. Great place to go and watch this weekend's NCAA tournament games. Uh the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, as we come down here to the final stretch of the college basketball season, that's Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails in Ames on Main Street. Uh, let's flip things over to the Iowa side. Man, the uh, the home crowd, the uh, the home court advantage for Auburn sure came out in that game. Uh, that was a very pro-Tiger crowd as as we expected. And I think that Houston was just as pissed that they had to play Auburn as what Iowa was going
1: into the first round. Here's the thing about the matchup. We talked about it. Anyone that watches our show or listens to it, we talked about the Auburn-Iowa matchup, right? And everyone, it seemed like, was really giddy. I mean, I heard, I don't know if it was Chris Hassel talking about the best 8-9 matchup. I think we might have mentioned the same thing. Like, based off all the 8-9 seeds, it was probably the best matchup Iowa could have gotten. And I know we talked about, I was worried about their perimeter defense, Auburn's perimeter defense, and if Iowa could shoot the ball from three. And those two things were very detrimental to Iowa point off that win. Um, how I was playing towards the end of the season. I mean, the other thing that was being said, too, was Albert being on the on the cold streak, right? They lost nine of the 12. That was a big storyline. It was Jared it almost felt like that being the main story attraction for most of the week that. It was almost taken away of how good of a team Auburn was. Right. You have to be good to be in the NCAA tournament. You have to be a really solid team and you have to win a lot of games. Both those things Auburn did and, and they won a lot of games, whether they were on a nine to twelve losing streak or not, like you gotta be a really solid team to make the tournament. And having a home crown around you, playing in in Birmingham, I that was a night that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare matchup for them.
0: How do you feel about them going into the offseason? What's the you know same kind of conversation for them that we had with Iowa State? What's it look like for them going into next year?
1: Yeah, I think it worries me of who they're losing, obviously. I mean, obviously, Chris is going to probably be gone. Phillip's leaving. Connor, one of the most important players on the team, is gone. Um, it worries me the direction of Iowa – this next couple years because I feel like they're going to be one they're going to be a really young team and two there's going to be a lot of growing pains because of that so these next couple years might be very similar to when my class got on campus my freshman and sophomore year there's going to be a lot of growing pains a lot of learning a lot of young guys coming in and fighting for spots obviously Tony coming back Aaron coming back Um, that provides a little veteran leadership in the backcourt but they're going to be very short-handed in the front court. Um, a lot how of much, unknowns. A lot of unknowns for the team.
0: How much would you anticipate them dipping into the portal?
1: They're going to have to. I think. I mean, I've, from all the headlines I've been reading, France all over guys that have been um, tra- in the transfer portal. I know Evan Bronze will probably walk on with Iowa. I think he already announced he's going to Iowa. Um, forward that was playing with Belmont. So that will help a little bit as as kind of figuring out the wing and um, front court area, but they're going to have to be more reliable at the guard position. I think Iowa really lacked that this year. They didn't have a stable guy, and people are going to listen to this. in Iowa State fan base are like, "Oh, you're only saying that because you played point guard and you feel like you're the best ever to play uh, all this stuff." I don't no, I think they'll say that. I think I, that's I've fair criticism. Men- yeah. I've seen the men- I've seen the mentions. I, people have always people have said that before. Probably anonymous, anonymous anonymous losers. No, but I'm saying there, as much shit you want to talk about me, I always try to be a really reliable and consistent player, whether I was making shots or not, getting the people the right ball, knowing when to go and not to go. That's big in the McCaffrey offense. And I think that's where Iowa struggled a lot, is having a consistent guard, especially down the stretch in these games. There wasn't a guy to step up and – really take control of the team and control the ball. And that's where I kind of wish Connor would have kind of moved to point guard a little earlier in the year and maybe even later in the year. Cause he knew he knows how to run the offense. He knows the offense, like the back of his hand and to have a guy that's just stable and calm everyone down. That's a big, big benefit for a team to have, especially an Iowa team that is so up tempo. You need a guy to put all the guys in the right spots and, if they're if they're able to do that, I think they have enough talent to make the NCAA tournament next year. But they have a lot of unknowns before they get to that far. Do you
0: think it a transfer point guard then, or is it someone in the program that has to step up?
1: They need a scorer. Like you, you looking down the roster and the guys that are coming back, they're they're missing out on a lot of points, right? Like Phillip, I think averaged fourteen a game. Connor was around six or seven. Chris, Chris was you know, 20. twenty. Yeah that's like half the scoring right there for the team. Um, Tony coming back, you know, adds a little bit of scoring, but you need a consistent point guard, which I think they they need to look at. Um, if Aaron Eulis can step up this year and be that guy, then great. Um, but I think that those, those two areas, a scorer and a point guard is, is where they're kind of lacking. Obviously a big guy as well. They have, they have a lot of big bodies. I think Iowa, um, that, play, that was on the bench, right? Riley Mulvey was on the bench, didn't play a lot. Josh Gondlay was on the bench. Um, but those two guys probably aren't going to be reliable for Fran to, you know, start and play 25, 30 minutes. So, um, I guess you could definitely say there's three key areas that Iowa needs to be looking at in the transfer portal. And If there's a freshman that comes in, great. I know Freeman coming in from Moline, Brock Harding coming in from Moline as well as a point guard. Uh, maybe they can add something, um, a little help, but I think these next two years might be a lot of growing pains for sure. At least he's not going to Notre
0: Dame. So you don't have to start over in that sense. Like we, like you joked about a couple of weeks ago.
1: I wasn't joking, dude. I had, I had, I had quite a bit of people text me about that take. I I'm kind of shocked that he didn't look at it more. Maybe he still is. Uh, I saw Shrewsbury was in the conversation for it. Yeah. I think he's there. He's considered the front runner. Yeah. yeah. I I'm shocked, man. I thought, Granted, obviously, Fran has a pretty good thing going with Iowa. He turned the program around, and, you know, he has sons that came through the program, a lot of Iowa ties now. I thought he'd take a little harder look at Notre Dame, man. If any job that was open that Fran would ever want, I would think it would be Notre Dame.
0: Maybe that means he's here forever
1: what well, the, the the thing about Fran? he doesn't have a lot of coaching years left like yeah. he's getting older he probably has i bet six this, five is to mo- years. this is gonna
0: motivate him he's gonna be like oh jordan thinks that i'm, I'm losing it well this is fuck you bro i'm gonna coach yeah. for the next 50 years then probably dude he's like that too oh
1: we've noticed we've yeah. noticed what makes you say that <laughs> <laughs> but no he has five to seven years left at most so this would probably be the last opportunity to go somewhere that's That's why I said what I'd said about Notre Dame because this was probably his last year he would be able to do that.
0: He's got a good thing going, though. I, I mean, the consistency of the program, even though the end of this year, disappointed. And then I think that inconsistency probably would have been the theme of this year's team. But it's still just from a year-to-year basis you know you're a perennial pro uh, NCAA tournament team and right now if you're going to Notre Dame you're kind of starting at ground zero again of trying to build something so it's like I can understand both sides yeah.
1: you know yeah I definitely see that side um the more I think about it though, I think the more you realize how older he is the more he does probably doesn't want to do starting from ground zero because that's really hard as a coach that takes a lot of toll and a lot of word who who wants to
0: deal with this bullshit anymore dude right who who is well jay wright is like a young guy and he was even he was like fuck this i'm done i'm not doing this anymore
1: jim Beheim, is as young as he is he finally said fuck it and
0: yeah that spring chicken jim uh, jim Beheim, man you know (laughs) i I saw that he's the assistant or he's like the assistant to the athletic director now or assistant to the associate uh, athletic director it's like a a dwight yeah it's like a dwight schrute uh uh title for coach Beheim now Good for him. I wish the best for him. But they'll keep in a nice office for him and you'll probably like never have to show up to work or anything like yeah. that. Just keep collecting your check.
1: Yeah. yeah. But back to Iowa for a second, I do want to touch on I forgot to touch on this. I do want to put it in perspective because Iowa Twitter was as I saw Iowa say it as well after the game, very delusional and um looking very micro instead of macro, I guess you could say in simple terms. I think what's getting lost in all of it is, I mean, like we can start the Iowa state side, obviously I know we just touched on them, but how far they came in those two years. And then on the Iowa side, you know, I, I understand. I, I won't, I won't be detrimental towards fans for wanting more. Right. I think, I think that's where kind of the controversy controversy with fair weather fans get lost is fans want runs, right? They want to make runs in the NCAA tournament. They want championships. They want titles. They want a great seasons and all this. But you can't, I, I'm playing both sides here. First side, you can't call fans soft for wanting more, but you also need to fans recognize how hard it is to win in the NCAA tournament. There is, I think Iowa is one of nine teams that has made then say tournament consecutively for four years straight or three years straight. So that, that says a lot alone how hard it is just to get to that point and then say a tournament as well as trying to win 90% of it is luck matchups, who you get, where you play, you know, obviously how you play is a big factor, but, um, I, I I just I just want Iowa fans to continue to support the program and continue to want more, but also realize how hard it is to win because I think that gets lost. And no matter what seed you get, two through fifteen, we already talked about two through fifteen seeds, Jared. And then tournament, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what seed you are. Even if you saw sixteen seed Purdue. Like it does not matter what seed you get anymore. They're all very similar teams. It just matters on what the matchup you get. And you want to take this ex, 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 as excuses or not. If you're Iowa State or Iowa fans, listen to me. We got a, another bad matchup. We've gotten consistently bad matchups for the Iowa program. The last four years we've been in the NCAA tournament. And you can just go down the line. Richmond, they won their, they're on their conference. Oregon, the first ever buy and in, in ever in NCAA tournament history, right? like there is so many there's, there's so much that goes into it that for you for a team to pull off a big time run and then say a tournament
0: remember you can't win the title unless you're in the hunt exactly you know and it's like as purdue has proven they've lost to a we'll you know we'll pivot a little bit here in just a minute but they've lost to a double digit seed three straight years i think they've lost to a 13 a 14 and a 16 in three straight years like Man, do you think Purdue would trade the fact that they just won the Big 12 regular season or Big 10 regular season title for the fact that they – like, I'm sure they would. But at the same time, you still had six months of good memories. You got the national player of the year, all that kind of stuff. Like, it could be worse, man. You know, and it's just basketball at the end of the day. You know, everybody wants to win, but the fans – like, I I just think sometimes fans just need to remember, like, it's just basketball. It's not worth, like, letting your personal emotions, like, get out of whack because of what you're seeing on the basketball court, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I saw someone tweet on my t- timeline. That's the last thing I'll say about it. About, and I, I want to understand this argument I do because I know, I know how inspiring and and important some of these games and some of these memories that people make while watching Iowa play, because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen you know, letters written to me about it. I've seen met people, you know, their dad dying the, the day of, you no, know, I hit a game winner. Like I'm meeting that, like that is emotional. That's a connection that that person and that dad will have for the rest of their lives. Like that kind of stuff is really important for fans. But I, I hope that college sports doesn't get so I'm I'm trying to word this right Jerry because I don't, I don't want to seem like an asshole. So important to people's lives that it ruins their lives, right? Because at the end of the day, it is just a game. And as much as I of anyone want Iowa to win, it's hard, man, and at the end of the day, you can't let the
0: emotions. Like don't yeah. let the emotions, you know.
1: And those players have to live with that for the rest of like I have to live with that for the rest of my life that I didn't make the Sweet 16 and that that I lost to an Oregon team or and I didn't score any points in the Oregon game, or we lost the first round Richmond in my last game of my career. Like, I, me personally, and everyone that was a part of that team, they have to live with that for the rest of their life, right? And for the most part, fans can go on and do whatever they want, but no, that will always eat at me that I wasn't able to accomplish a goal of mine. But I can sleep peacefully at night because I set a really hard goal, not only for myself, but our team to make it far, and we didn't accomplish it. And that's okay because we did everything we could, It might not seem like that but we did to try to make it to as far as we can and um it's hard man it it is so so hard at this level it really is nobody is setting out trying to not accomplish their goal
0: you know like nobody's like oh yeah i think tonight we're just not going to give it our all you know it's just uh, yeah is it worth it anymore you know and that that's what i what i get frustrated by is when people. I get frustrated when fans call things that players do embarrassing. Man, you're not the one out there doing that. Mm -hmm. Who are you embarrassed about? Are you embarrassed because your buddy in the cubicle next to you is going to be like, oh man, you see the Cyclones on the score 41 points in the NCAA? That's not embarrassing. Like, that should not be embarrassing to you it just is what it is you know it just you if you can figure out a way to where you can just laugh about it man then you can just move on and like and you can keep living your life and keep cheering for your team and like and it can stay fun like it doesn't have to be where when your team is playing you feel like it's life or death you know and you feel like you're going through something like just have fun with it and like let the game just be the game and be fun
1: you know I feel like that's what got lost a little bit. It was fun. And even when I was playing that some days it, it I got lost in the not having fun too. So like, you talking about embarrassing. That's a great point, Jared, because what's embarrassing. Yes. You might be embarrassed that Iowa lost, but what's embarrassing is let, let's go to my sophomore year. We were 14, 19. I didn't even want to go to class because how embarrassed I was of how much we lost. But like you guys still can go on and I'm not saying your lives aren't tough. I'm not saying my life was so easy in college or um, was it was really hard. Like, I'm not I don't, I'm not trying to say that either. But I, the players are the most embarrassed when that happens. Right. Like they're they're the most burdened on their shoulders. There's the most pressure on their shoulders. And like I said, I'll come back. It is really hard to win games at this level. NCAA tournament, conference play, any any division It's so hard to do.
0: At the end of the day, who do you think is more embarrassed? An Iowa state fan whose bracket got busted or Jaron Holmes who couldn't put the ball in the hoop on national television? Yeah. (laughs) You know, whoever like I, for the entire Iowa state team, the team that went 10 minutes without making their first field goal in an NCAA tournament game. And you want to sit here and tell me you're embarrassed. Like, come on, man.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh, that, that's what frustrates me sometimes. It is a hard argument too. Like, I don't want to downplay fans passion and loyalty because that's no. that that's what makes Iowa sports so great right Iowa State Iowa Drake you and I the passion of fans is what makes it so great but at the end of the day there's also some lines that do get crossed individually wise and I saw that a lot on Twitter and Instagram and comments and after the both first round losses because man man what are we talking about it's a college basketball game
0: I was going to say that's it's where people need to to remember the perspective of like, what really matters here? Does this game really matter? You know, and it matters to us in the sense of like, yeah, we want you want to see your team succeed and you want that happiness that that is going to give you. But it's not like and it's an escape on some level, you know, but the game ends and your problems are still there, you know. So it's like, why let the game dictate how you're gonna feel the next day when you go to work or how you're gonna feel the next day when you go to school or like how it's like man it just is what it is you know the world keeps spinning and the world keeps moving and you're it's gonna you either keep moving with it or you sit there and you compl- or you are feel sad about a game that you either you know did or did not play in you know nobody else cares nobody's gonna feel bad for you just keep moving you know yeah. it just is what it is
1: there's a funny McCaffrey quote. I know we kind of extended this conversation a little bit, but I I think I've talked about it before. I have like hundreds of quotes in my phone on my little note sheet. Every time he says something through my career, I always jot something down. And one of them, this reminded me of it is I think it was during that sophomore year when we went like we were fourteen and nineteen. It was like halfway through the season, and and obviously a lot of us were dejected and sad that we weren't winning, and it was really hard going to practice, really hard going to public. And I remember watching film one of these days and it was just a really bad game we played. And then Fran stood up, he goes, you know what? No one gives a fuck about you. No one gives a fuck about your feelings. And then it was funny. Like obviously everyone was all serious. And like, we're trying to like write the ship and stuff. And then he goes, this is like a, this is like a over exaggerated, exaggerated joke. My class does in, in the, in the 2016 class. And he goes, no one gives a fuck about you. No one gives a fuck about your feelings. Besides your family, your friends, your close individuals around you, our coaches, this locker room, no one else gives a fuck about you. So then we're all like, after we're like, yeah, no one gives a fuck about you except your friends, your family, the people on the internet, the, your coaches, the locker room, the administrators. No one else cares or gives a fuck about you. <laughs> Besides everyone in the world, no one gives a fuck about you. <laughs> oh that's funny that's probably why we were 14 and 19 (laughs) because we made jokes about that oh man that's good dude all
0: all this uh we can change the topic after this but it it, this is like another kind of a coach thing i remember when uh when i was a sophomore in high school we went three and 21 you want to talk about fucking embarrassing we went three and 21 uh but we played denison and brandon scherf was a senior at denison when this uh when we were playing i was a starter as a sophomore i was like six 7, 170 pounds and i had to guard brandon scherf who was 3'10, and was going to go win the outland trophy you know yeah. uh and we got into the locker room at halftime getting our just oh we're just getting smashed dude like just getting destroyed and everybody was scared to guard scherf and our coach was going off he's like do you think anybody, do you think they're scared of you? And we're like, no, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, like literally, no, no, they're not scared of us, that's the point. He's like, why are you scared of him? He's not gonna hit you with a club, he's not gonna shoot you, he's not gonna do anything. I was like, but he's only twice my size and is gonna go play in the fucking NFL. Like, why do you think I'm fucking scared to go against Brandon Sherp, you know? But uh, I'll always forget, I'll never forget that. Do you think that he was scared of you? No, he's not scared of me. He doesn't even see you. He sees right through you. Brandon Scherf is gonna go and try and block Aaron Donald, bro. Do you think he's scared of me? <laughs> that's great. Uh, I love my co- I love my coach, but I'll, I'll never forget that. That was so
1: funny. Yeah, um, the co- coaches have the funniest. Like looking back on, that's one of my favorite things. Looking back on like my playing career, even to this day, of just. The random shit and how funny and the like outside the time of it now is what coaches say to players and the team it's so it's so great to look back on it's one of my favorite memories
0: it's so cool because they say those things because they've got that supreme belief in you you know Uh, like that and that's what it was is him trying to convey like how he believed in me that i he could that i could go and do this you know it is just like it was so funny that like the way they try and like convey that on to you that's like Come on, like, I believe in you, I'm with you, you know? Yeah. But I'm saying it to you in the weirdest way possible.
1: Yeah, that's so funny, man. That's great. Man, yeah, nobody gives a fuck about <laughs> your feelings. <laughs> nobody feeling. gives a fuck about your feelings. So like your coaches, administrators, people around you, your loved ones, your friends. Oh
0: man. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of these games. Uh. Let's talk about Purdue. You were concerned all year or about, or not concerned necessarily, but this was your knock on Purdue all year was their freshman guards. Uh, The freshman guards and just about everybody not named Zach Eady on Purdue's team looked terrified to shoot the ball for the majority of that game uh, on Friday. And then Purdue's season ends early at the hands of the shortest team in college basketball, which is the most incredible thing. Uh, But fairly Dickinson advancing in and then lost to Florida Atlantic. But at least you were right about your Purdue take the entire year.
1: Is this the Jordan Mohan, I told you so segment? It is all right guys uh this is jordan mohan and this is the i told you seg- uh told you so segment and i told you so about purdue i did i said all year long no one listened no one said anything everyone was r- heads around wrapped around zaki's power powerful how powerful he is how strong he is how tall he is no one talked about their freshman guards jordan mohan did all right that's me that's it we can we can workshop
0: the name I told you (laughs) so segment we can work it out. That was
1: a little improv section. No, I
0: respect it. Uh, it just is, it it was astounding to watch them be able to, to, to defend Purdue the way that they did. And, uh, like it was crazy to watch them dare people to shoot. And people were still scared to shoot, you know, like they were scared by the fact that they were being dared to shoot is what it was almost how it almost came off on TV.
1: I mean, can we talk about the FDU coach just calling his shot, man? Like he's babe fucking Ruth before the Purdue game saying the more I watch these guys, the more I, we can beat them. And what did man. they do? Like that is, that is one of that line alone got him a job the next year. It wasn't even beating Purdue. And then he beat Purdue. Man, that guy, you you know why that guy's tough
0: is because he was born on the mean streets Of Truro, Iowa. Yep. Uh, I believe he attended I thirty five high school. He did. Uh, Man, was an all was an all stater at I thirty five high school in nineteen ninety. What a weird connection, dude. What are the odds? There's always something with uh, that connects back to Iowa. That there's like this random coach from Truro went to new york and became a dominant division two coach in new york and then gets the job at fairly dickinson and then
1: is the second six, 16 to be to one it's just so crazy i'm tired of people shitting on the state of iowa jared i'm tired i'm finally putting my foot down everywhere you go in any industry in every every facet of life there is an iowa tie at the most successful of those industries and professions i am tired of it people Dude. don't they hate on the state of iowa i'm tired of it I forgot to tell you about
0: this. We get to Greensboro on uh, on Wednesday. We're going to go meet the team at their hotel have a little media session, whatever. We get an Uber. I hop in the Uber. The driver is wearing an Iowa Hawkeye sweatshirt (laughs) in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I looked over, I was like, are you wearing a Hawk sweatshirt? And he's like, Oh, oh yeah, I am. And I was like, damn, what the hell? I was like, that is so random. I was like, we just got here from Iowa he's like, oh, my son went to Iowa, such and such and such. He's like, my son hates the Cyclones. He's like, but I don't got a problem with them. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's fair. But uh, it was just so funny, like the odds of that, you know, that you hop into this Uber and the guy's going to have a Hawkeye sweatshirt on right after we get into North Carolina from
1: Iowa. It was just funny. Dude, I get off my team bus in Santa Cruz. I was just in Santa Cruz, California last weekend. Swear to God, first person I see walking the street as I get my luggage going into the hotel he's walking across the sidewalk by the hotel outside he's wearing an iowa hawkeye jacket (laughs) dude it's just unbelievable i'm sitting in the denver airport the guy walks by He, he shakes my hand and meets me and says congratulations on your career he went to linmar high school in iowa he's a huge iowa fan went to iowa owns his business in denver dude they're everywhere iowa fans iowa state fans Everywhere you go, I'm tired of people talking shit about us two universities, even you and I and Drake. We're everywhere, Jared. We are everywhere. Iowa everywhere. This is the perfect fucking commercial right now. Like, put me on the big screen, Chris. Put me on the fucking big screen. I once ran into a Cyclone
0: fanatic listener at a McDonald's in St. Helens, Oregon. That was an all-timer. Unbelievable. Yeah, it just is. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. But, no, that that blew my mind when that happened. Uh, Purdue, though. Uh, tough look. Tough look for Matt Painter. I I just, I feel bad for him. I I feel like it's just kind of tough
1: breaks uh, these last couple years. I think the worst part of it too, Jared, is him having as successful as a regular season, winning the regular season title, and winning the Big Ten tournament title, right? And now there's people who want him fired. Everyone and before that, everyone's talking about oh, he should like go to Kentucky, he should like yeah be get to a blue blood school, like he's deserved it. He's he's coaching so well. No one believed in um Purdue this year, and they won the title, he's getting all American Zach E, player of the year, and then a week later <laughs> it turns the total opposite direction.
0: Man, I think they would have lost to Florida Atlantic even if they'd gotten into the second round. That team
1: looks really good. Yeah, they are impressive. They're just in a. They just weren't fit for the MTA tournament. It was the the writing was written on the wall. Even playing the in in the Big Ten tournament, you can kind of just tell like they 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 won, but they weren't ready or fit to play, and make a deep run. Right. Uh, I'm trying to look at these games, if there's any other ones up.
0: Michigan state now is in the sweet 16. I need to go back and find the clips of us talking about Michigan state after the champions classic. Uh, and they lost that game to Kentucky. But you and I were both sitting here. We're like, Hey man, keep an eye on this team. I've watched. I don't think I ever have watched more Michigan state basketball than I did this year. And every time I watched them, I'd be like, man, this team is going to beat some people in the tournament. They're going to be tough.
1: You know, I got laughed at my friend group chat that I had them in the final four. I got laughed at Jared laughed at in my bracket and we've been talking about all year on the show of how good of a team michigan state
0: was their guards tyson walker is as tough a guard as you're gonna as tough a cover as you're gonna find in college basketball right now like and he is playing at a really high level he reminds me like if he if michigan state goes to the final four tyson walker will have to have a kemba walker shabazz napier type of tournament
1: yeah I think it's. I just. I the 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 run that they were able. To, I guess the path they they had, potentially with the teams they're playing, Michigan State, it just seemed like it was one of those years Izzo would make a run, just based off who they had. Like Marquette was a really good team, but, I mean, Michigan State. I don't know. There's just a feel every time Izzo's – This is gonna so cliche and bay yep. but. There was a different feel when Izzo was in March this year that he was, he was like, destined to make a run. Everybody knows it's January, February, Izzo. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Because April, like, the, the tournament, like... Did they beat Kansas State? I don't know. Kansas State's a really, really great team. I think it's yeah. going to be a great game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to matter more of... Less on defense, more on offense. Who can put the ball in the basket? Both teams are solid defensively. I think Kansas State has the edge defensively and offensively. I think they're the better team. But This is if, a dudes game. This is dudes yeah, making plays. Yeah. yeah. Who can make the more who can make more of the plays at the end of the shot clock towards the end of um, regulation? That's what it's gonna come down to.
0: And that's what Really, that Kentucky-Kansas State game came down to. It was jarring to watch Kentucky play someone and have the other team have like three of the four best players on the floor outside of Oscar Sheepway. Yeah. With as talented as those Kentucky teams are on a yearly basis.
1: They can't – Kentucky, they had so much talent this year to have the season they did. It's a shame. And it's – I I feel like for the most part I've always had Calipari's back, but I don't know, man. It's hard for me to think – what was left on the table this year with that team? All
0: right, let's talk about Alabama really quickly. Uh, before we do that, we need to talk about uh, what Nick Sabin had to say about uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> technical <laughs> difficulties. Proof that we don't have a producer here on this podcast. <laughs> right, let let's hear no, Coach Sabin. Mitchell has been suspended from the team on uh, all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And. um, You know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. you got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations. So, um... I uh, I love Coach Saban tapping on the on the side of the thing like like yeah that's just all there is to it but that's how Coach Saban feels about his basketball team uh, make it a run to the to the Sweet Sixteen
1: here. See, I didn't know before the show you said that Saban and Oates do not like each other. I did not know that. Yeah, um, from
0: what I've from what I understand,
1: yeah, yeah, there's
0: been some beef there.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, it's obviously a direct shot at, oh, it's, it's pretty obvious from everything that he said at the press conference. You can kind of just tell by his body or language too, Jared, that he's making a statement without yeah. making a statement. Yeah, it's without a doubt. He, yeah. So I find that interesting. I, I want O's to respond so bad. Imagine what a, a Alabama's athletic director is sitting there thinking. He, what, I mean, what can you do, though? You have two guys. You have the best football coach in – ncaa history and then you have a coach that is arguably coaching one of the best teams in the ncaa tournament right now like how how the if you're like if you're athletic director what do you do you can't do anything no you can't say anything you just let it roll you
0: just let it roll alabama i think alabama is going to win the national championship and they're probably going to do it going away
1: i don't know man i think i struggle i had the same thing with tcu with making a run, with all the distractions that was occurring in the media. It's hard for me, the further they go, Alabama, the more media they're going to get around the situation. There's no way they can bring their best game through the NCAA term or the final game. That's my only worry.
0: I saw that Brandon Miller had armed guards following him around in Birmingham last weekend, which is really unfortunate that that seemed necessary. But man, it just still feels like so much of this stuff could have been avoided
1: so much it's just playing to a, they're wanting more media out of it it feels like what they're doing to as well i mean with the saving coming out and suspending their player kicking off the team whatever the exact punishment was alabama right now man it's a t- tough tough look for the basketball program how it's being handled
0: yeah without a doubt uh san diego state plays good defense but i don't know if they can score enough to keep up with the uh with Alabama in that one. But then Creighton and Princeton, that might be the best game of the weekend, I think, uh, when you just look on paper, especially when you look at, you got two teams that run really great stuff offensively. Greg McDermott's as good as you're gonna find in that sense. And then Princeton runs, you know, basically the old school Pete Carroll type of offense that has given them success for a very long time out there.
1: That's gonna be one of the best basketball games, not this year, but in the past decade in the Sweet 16 just based off how the, the players that those teams have and how well they play the game of basketball. God, please don't have Courtney Green or Paul Zelk in that in that game. Give me a good officiating crew, and we're going to see a really great basketball game.
0: How do you feel about Jerry Pollard? Have you had him? Is he a good official?
1: I have had him. I don't recall having ever conversations with him, but um, I do know who he is.
0: He must not be that oh, – okay. I was going to say he must not be that bad if you never had any beef with him.
1: Yeah. There, there's a lot of refs that I don't know their names or I don't, I, I, I have to know their face to put a name. Yeah. Out. He's a notable official
0: though. That yeah. yeah. He's one of the bigger name ones. That's who was in Greensboro last week. So that's the only reason I asked you that. Cause it, right. I saw being at, at on the floor, you can see how the officials interact with guys more. And I noticed that he was an official who interacts with people quite a bit
1: on the court. Yeah. yeah. Those are the best officials. So from day one, the guys that actually talk to the players out, doesn't do it. Courtney Green just blows his whistle and the whistle shouldn't be blown. <laughs> and both of those guys, people that are following me on Twitter, Jared, I do have a Jordan's incarceration list that I've just created. And both those names are on the list, Jared. Both those names are on the list as well as NCA. I have three members on the list and more can be added. I'm surprised Nate Oates hasn't made his way onto the list yet. Nate Oates has, uh, put himself. He's on deck right now. Another, another notable move. And he he's, he's, he's out, uh, right. he's on pro, or on probation. Yeah he's, yeah. he's currently, he's one, he's one move, away, yeah. one move away. Yeah. On his final strike. Uh, all right. Florida and Atlantic, Tennessee, who wins that one? I like Tennessee like Tennessee all year. I know they're down some guys. I know, um, Tennessee tends to have a struggle scoring the ball at times, but they got some dudes on their team, some strong dudes, some guys that can um, definitely lead them to continue making a deep run. Do you see what Florida Atlantic coach said when asked how they were going to
0: prepare for Tennessee? I did see. He said they were going to start studying up on Australian
1: rules football and then get ready for the balls. That's it's a good uh, study, study strategy right there yeah for playing that team i would say that's fair
0: what's the guy who's the guy who put kyle filipowski on his ass twice in like the first minute minute and a half of the game the big oh, guy from uh, europe
1: yeah. yeah they just have some massive ass dudes i feel like tennessee has rick barnes just recruits some
0: rick barnes is a dog man i love a, rick barnes yeah he's yeah. a dog they got a bunch of dogs on the team yeah, that's as good a coach as you're going to find in college basketball. Houston and Miami is going to be another really good one. Uh, Miami just finds a way to get it done. They, That's the that's the million and a half dollar locker room right there, uh, figuring out a way to make things happen.
1: Back-to-back years in the Sweet 16, I believe, right?
0: Yeah, f- with one more win, back-to-back Elite Eights. They'd never been to the Elite Eight before until pretty, last year.
1: Pretty impressive from where Miami was, you know, like, even a couple years ago, decades ago, they're they're back into being a very very strong powerhouse team. Jim Larranega is a coach who just quietly gets it done every year, and then he pops
0: up in the in the NCAA tournament, and you remember that he's got this thick like Brooklyn accent, yeah, and is just like a crazy New Englander, you yep. know,
1: yep. yeah, yeah. New Englanders, man, they can coach, they can fucking coach, man. Jim Laranega is a dog. Uh, Houston,
0: do you think that they can beat Houston? <laughs>
1: I like Houston. I've, I I still think they're the best team in college basketball. I still think they're going to win the NCAA tournament. As, if Houston continues to defend like they have been, the thing is this: I think this is what separates Houston and Iowa State. Is Iowa State is one of the best defensive teams, and I know I don't know why you, you guys probably don't know why I'm talking about Iowa State, but Iowa State lost because they can't put the ball in the basket. Houston can create. Shots off their defense better than mm-hmm. Iowa State, right? And that's what I think that's what separates the teams that can make runs that are very great defensive teams in the NCAA tournament is they can make that difference. They, they can create fast break points, opportunities of how well they defend and how they pressure their guards. I don't see any team really coming close to Houston. There's going to be some good games, but I think they're by far the best team.
0: And then when you just got guys that are dudes, you know, yeah. Marcus Sasser's a dude. And he knows how to put the ball in the basket Like that that's what it comes down to um, Xavier Texas I had Texas in the final four going into the tournament I think Texas is playing great basketball right now uh, what do you think about them going up against Xavier
1: Jack Nungy my boy playing phenomenally well had a huge block um, to push him and save the game yeah, yeah, against Kennesaw yeah. huge um, really happy quick shout out to Jack Nungy he's dealt with so much and a big fuck you to the the commentator that was talking shit about him transferring schools just to you know i don't know exact exact words but fuck that guy he has no idea what he's talking about and um for you to go after a kid like that is it shows how uneducated some commentators are um but i, I really like Xavier i texas still worries me i know we've talked about texas at nauseam on this podcast but um i think Xavier pulls away from texas
0: Uh, I did not know how many passionate Kennesaw State Owl fans there are until I went to Greensboro, North Carolina and watched them play. Xavier, every time out, they would do this chant when it would come back and be like, you don't want to go to war with, with the owls. It was every time it stuck in my head. That's how I still know it right now that I can, they chanted it every single TV time out and they would do it over and over again. You don't want to go to war with, with the owls. You don't want to go to war with, with the owls. And it did not stop until the game ended until the game yeah it was it was incredible i had no idea i was walking into like a powder keg of a kennesaw state owls environment that day i didn't realize they had that big of a fan base that's what i'm saying i didn't know there were so many passionate kennesaw state fans out there like these people were fired up good for them good for them I, yeah that that was a that was a crazy game Z- uh i thought xavier was gonna blow it when they missed the layup right at the very end on the hoop that oh that we thought was crooked yeah
1: that was absurd. He missed that layup. Yeah, wide open. Well, and then they
0: proved on uh, on Sunday that it was very much an Iowa State problem against Pitt when they almost put up when they hung half a hundred in the first half. You know. Yeah. That was uh, that was a tough scene. Uh, all right, then Kansas got losing to Arkansas. Eric Musselman takes his shirt off at at Wells Fargo Arena. Uh, they're going to play UConn, who's been one of the best teams in the in the country for most of the season. Oh, really quick on Texas. Did you see what Rodney Terry said about the fans booing Tyrese Hunter and? at Wells Fargo Arena. Uh,
1: yeah, he said he was going to, yeah. If, if how, that happened, he would, like, stopped it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, how disrespectful it is that, that that continues to happen every time Tyrese comes back to the state of Iowa. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I get it. He's trying to back his player. Um, but at the end of the day, he transferred to another Big 12 school, man. Like, let him fight his own fights. Yeah. I like, mean, Coach McCaffrey never came out and said shit about me, getting chanted fuck you Bohannon by Iowa State like because he knows I was gonna I was gonna fight my own fight so I think I don't know the player kind of if you're a player like that you have to know like and the coach has to know that it started with the player transferring to a different rival school and he right like that's the game man
0: yeah and Tyree
1: said stuff about Iowa State as well so you kind of warranted on his on his behalf already yeah yeah there's a lot
0: that has happened there to for him to come out and say that like they should have known the second that they got the des moines site that they were gonna have to face some stuff like that that's just yeah that was i was really turned off by that from from rodney terry's side uh all right arkansas and yukon who takes that one
1: two weird teams arkansas playing phenomenally well yukon sunogo went completely off in the first round uh, he was hitting threes. I'm like, what is going on? I had UConn losing right, right from the get go. If Sonogo can play as he's been playing, UConn has a chance to win it all. I, I truly believe that.
0: Uh, that Gonzaga. Oh, sorry.
1: No, I, I, I still think they, they don't. I, a lot depends on Sonogo. If Sonogo has a bad game, I don't think UConn pulls away
0: uh gonzaga ucla the rematch of the the jalen suggs game from 2020 or from 2021 what uh what do you think of that one the west coast uh the west coast battle
1: i like ucla ucla has you know tiger campbell one of the best guards in the in the country i i think it's pretty i think it's going to be pretty lopsided when I, by ucla ucla has a lot of great players a lot of great players in the backcourt as well um waterloo's own tiger yeah. campbell yep yep Iowa on another Iowa tie Iowa everywhere man Iowa everywhere uh all right
0: was there anything else that we wanted to tackle before we hang things up oh I was gonna ask you who's your final four then give me your final four before we go into this last weekend
1: Houston dude I don't know I I, picked, I think so
0: you said UCLA and, and Arkansas in Arkansas on that one so UCLA or Arkansas in the west region UCLA. You
1: going to, to keep riding with Michigan State? I, I mean, I like Michigan State. I think yeah. I think that's a given. And who's the top? Alabama. Alabama and uh, Creighton or Princeton? Creighton, Princeton. I honestly, I want to be shocked if Creighton gets to the Final Four. That would be of something, all, man. Of all the shit that they went through, man, they're playing really great basketball. They have their team healthy. Their team was not healthy throughout the year. They weren't playing as a full squad. I want to be shocked if they get to the final four.
0: Okay, I'll take Alabama, Texas, uh, UCLA, and Michigan State too. I think Michigan State's playing great ball.
1: So we're pretty
0: close to the same.
1: Yeah. Wait, Two did you say them. Alabama? Yeah, I said Alabama. Oh, yeah. You would you would go along with the murderers. <sighs> I'm just murder. an analyst man. I just put my Murder, murder Ink, dude. Murder Ink. <laughs> that's how you that's how you wrote them in on your bracket, right? You said Murder Ink. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, Murder Ink. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week before the final four, all right? Yes, sir. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace. Iowa everywhere.